Welcome to Founder Focus, your masterclass in business building. I'm your host, Andrew Amaduri. Today, I sit down with Robbie Lockheim, an expert in the travel industry, to learn how he took his company, Travel Destinations Inc., from travel agency to host agency, where he hit $22 million in gross revenue in one year. Robbie's filled with incredible information about the travel industry, tons of info around travel agents and what it looks like running a host agency, as well as tips on how you can make enough to actually support a family while working in the travel industry, which until he explained how, I never thought was possible. Without further ado, let's dive on in. Robbie, thanks for joining for an episode. How are you? Doing great. Doing great, Andrew. Glad to be here. You've been in the travel industry for years. You run your own business. You own your own business, Travel Destinations. Tell me a little bit about life before you ended up with Travel Destinations. Well, it <laughs> when I when I got out of high school, I've been, you know, really my whole adult, adult life, I've been in travel. But when I got out of high school, um, I joined the Air Force. So I was in the military for four years um, prior to. So I had really... Um, no experience. Um, I was at, I was going to school, um, working toward, um, you know, a business degree, um, while I was in the service. And, um, once I got out also, but, um, but I had no, no background in business owning. I, you know, you're a kid, get out of high school. You don't know what you want to do. Um, I knew I didn't have any interest whatsoever in college. So, uh, I went in the military. My grandfather and my father were both in the Air Force. I thought it was a good idea. Um, and Follow ironically, the family lineage. Yeah, kind of. I mean, ironically, um, you know, that was in the early 80s. And um, and they had a field that was called open electronics, you know. And so I thought, you know, we're getting into the computer age. Maybe I'll get, get to, you know, learn about computers or something. I don't know. Again, early 80s. Well, what happened is I became a electrician, just like an interior electrician. Uh, and I wasn't a very good one, let me tell you. So for four years, I worked on on-base housing and, and things like that. And that's what I did. So um, right now, I can't even change a light bulb. So it didn't do me a lot of good. <laughs> <laughs> so you started off life in the Air Force, working on base, doing electrician work. Mm -hmm. um, and then at what point did you jump into the travel industry? Well, my dad actually owned um, your, your run-of-the-bill mom-and-pop travel agency. You know, we had anywhere from three to five employees, and he said, you know, I'd like you to come work for me, you know, learn the business, you know. Um, I had no idea what it was like, um, so that's, that's how I got started. I went to work for him in the, in the travel industry as just your basic frontline agent. You know, that was back in the day when um, if somebody needed an airline ticket, they'd walk into a travel agency. That's where they got it, or they had to go to the airport, and there was a few city ticket offices you could go to. Um, and then you book cruises and tours and things like that. Um, this was well before the internet, well before, you know, even email for that matter. So it was early, 1986. So I went to work for my dad, learned from the ground up, basically. From 1986, how long until you ended up um, taking over travel destinations? Well... I, I took over, uh, I don't know, I'd say eight or nine years into the business, I started doing everything. You know, again, I, I, um, I, you know, was learning about business in school. 
Um, I was learning from the ground up. It was actually my dad and my stepmom's business. She did all the bookkeeping. Nothing was automated. Um, so I learned everything. I learned sales from him. I learned back office and uh, from my from my stepmom, and she was great. Um, and I would say a- after I don't know maybe eight to ten years, they started leaving all the time, you know. And so I was in charge of everything. That's how I was, you know, learning the business. Um, and then unfortunately in 1999, January of 1999, my dad passed away. Um, so I was kind of thrust into ownership, um, with my mom who, who my stepmom who really had no, um, she was a, I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but she was a bookkeeper, you know, and it was, you know, when you, I have found over the years and I'm sure a lot of other business owners, um, you don't have the back office running your business. You don't have accounting running your business. Um, you have sales and income running your business, basically. So um, I knew that when she, you know, when my dad passed away, that it wasn't going to work unless um, I was able to buy her per- portion, which is is what is how I basically acquired the business. What did that process look like buying out another owner from a business? Well, what it looked like is. Um, the, the business at that point, um, in the mid nineties in, in our industry, in the mid nineties, the airlines stopped paying travel agents. That's a lot. Well, that was the majority of the revenue was based on you sold an airline ticket and you got a percentage of that sales that stopped in the mid nineties. So we were getting a percentage of sales on cruises and tours. We can get into that later if you want. Um, and then hotels and things like that. Um, but that happened in the mid nineties that happened. And so it was kind of a, it was kind of a tough time. The business didn't have a lot of capital. Um, you know, it was, you know, when you're working in a family business, um, it can be a real struggle. So, and and we had a good relationship with with my stepmom, and it was like um, throughout the previous year, she was she was acquiring, she was she was she was accumulating her earnings, okay, and not paying herself. So on the books, she showed. Um, that the company owed her a lot of money. So the agreement was um, to pay that out. And fortunately, I was able to do that over a number of years. Um, so her, her income, you know, I, I, I paid her out and I continued to keep her on um, so she could be covered for insurance um, as a staff member. Um, and so that, that's how it worked in my circumstance. It was kind of a unique circumstance. So uh, the goal was um, to own it 100% mine. And, you know, I'm married, so it's my, my wife and I. So that was the goal because um, it was either, you know, we we're going to make it or break it on the things that I knew, basically. You know, so it was quite a challenge, frankly. I bet. I bet. Especially at such a pivotal moment in the industry. Now, right. going back to buying out your stepmom, in hindsight, would you take that approach again or would you go and source capital to just do a buyout all at once? <laughs> well, I probably, I probably looked, looking back, I probably, I probably would have still done it the same because I was fortunate enough um, that I could pay her over a certain number of months. So, and it wasn't, it wasn't interest bearing. So I thought that was, that was a smart thing to do. And that was the only debt the company had was the debt to her. Okay? Oh my gosh. That's so, awesome. Free and clear. Yeah, so it was free and clear after that, after that was paid off. Um, so in that sense, um, it made a lot of sense to do it that, to do it that way. And I didn't know where the business was going. Again, I was still young, you know, 
Um, I was still in my young 30s. Um, I wasn't quite sure um, where we were going to go. I just knew it was all I knew, and I love the industry. Okay, um, being a travel agent, I'm not sure how much I liked, um, but the industry itself and running a business was intriguing. So that's that's why um, that's why I did it. You know, how would you give a brief description of the travel industry to someone who's only familiar with the traveling part, not what the actual backbone looks like? Well, it it was you know it was a it was a it's definitely a, a service industry for the, the travel agent community. Um, it's changed quite a bit. Just, just It used to be very transactional. You bought an airline ticket, that's it, you flew on a plane. Um, it's really morphed into more of a very, very personal relationship. So um, your advisors typically, especially if you're in the leisure industry, which is what we are, they want to build a relationship with their clients. So it's a service industry and a lot of people might not realize this, but it's similar to, you know, the trust you have with your accountant, your lawyer, your um, somebody that you're going to go in and you're going to put, you're going to spend a lot of money at those places. Um, and you want to trust the person you deal with. So it's, it's a real relational service industry. Um, it, if, am I answering your question at all yeah. as, as far as yeah. the industry goes? So I, I would say in our particular business, um, you want to find somebody that you trust. It's not a place a lot of people think, you know, I want to call my travel agent um, so I can get the best price. Most likely, um, you want the best value, not the best price. Because, you know, who goes on vacation and says, oh, my gosh, it was a great vacation. I saved so much money. You know, <laughs> that's, that's, not, that's not the thing. So it's a real relationship. Um, but there's, there's other, you know, some people still, um, you know, they call um, and it's a a lot of agents charge for their service. So, um, you know, if we do an airline ticket, which we don't get paid on, um, you know, anywhere from 50 to a hundred bucks to, to do the ticket. And, and you would do that because you don't want to deal with it yourself. Um, so that's kind of how I, you know, some people don't even want to get online and book a Southwest ticket to LA. Um, but the majority of the people that call, um, for example, I, I don't do a ton of travel. I can now. Um, but, I don't do a ton of it, but I have a, um, a client, um, and he was going to Nice. Okay. He had to have specific flights. Um, he wanted to be in a specific class of service and he wanted all his seats taken care of for him. He didn't want to call the airline. Um, so he's willing to pay a couple hundred bucks for someone else to get on and do the whole thing for him. You know, um, that's kind of the, the gist of, of what we do. Is there still plenty of business? in the travel industry for travel agents? Because I know with the entrance of the internet, it's become a lot more easily accessible to go book your own tickets and book packages. But do you still see a need for travel agents currently? Yeah, you'd, you'd be surprised. Um, I, I'm a firm believer, you know, I, I love the internet. I love technology. It, it, it's great, um, which helped me succeed in the business. But that there's always going to be a segment of the population and it doesn't right now it is, you know, maybe baby boomers, maybe 60 older, um, that want someone to do it for them. Um, but I don't think that'll ever, ever change. And I don't care what you do. Um, there's always going to be the segment of the population that wants you to do it for them because they rather be spending their time doing something else, you know? Um, so 
yes, I think there's always, you know, I know a lot of people don't believe me you know, with AI and this is going to take people out of everything. I don't, I don't believe it. I'm sorry. I don't, you know? Yeah. So taking what you just said and going back to when you fully uh, bought out the business, pivotal moment in the industry, describe what was happening and describe what the first steps were uh, after acquiring the business fully. Well, the first steps for me, um, and, I, and I think this is, this is important for any business owner, is to know um, when you're a small you know, business, whether it's family owned or even a couple people owned, um, I think it's very difficult to be successful if you're trying to be all things, not only to all people, but to your business. So um, you know, a lot of small business owners, they think they have to be the salesperson, the marketing person, the trainer, you know, um, and the accountant. And certainly I had to, I had to take, look at myself and say, what was I good at? You know? Um, and at that time I was good at sales. I learned how to do the books all manually. We weren't automated. So at the time when I purchased the business, um, you know, I was reflecting on what I need to do. What I need to do is put people in place, um, that were good at what they did, you know? So I immediately, um, found a person that could be a back office person that we needed on a daily basis. Okay. And we were, so we could be fully automated. Um, and again, it's a unique time. Everybody's fully automated now. Um, but for me to try to do that, to do the bookkeeping and do the sales and do the marketing, um, I didn't think that would make for a su successful business. Um, so that's, that was the first thing that I did is realize I can't, I can't do that. You know, so after getting those pieces in place and while you were getting those pieces in place, besides keeping the business together and keeping it running, did you have a future vision for it of where you wanted it to go? And if so, what was that vision? Well, my vision at that time, and it's changed since then, um, but my vision at that time was that I could sell, you know, um, I could sell and I, and I thought I was pretty good at that. Um, and I could have other people doing other things and we could bring agents on to also sell, um, employees to sell this changed. That was in 99. So it changed pretty quickly. Um, and, and I was good at, if you can picture, you know, like your storefront office and you have the owner, you know, having his clients in the back and, you know, he's, he's having appointments and meeting with people and selling cruises and selling tours. Then you have three or four agents in the front of the office and people are walking in, um, and the owner would walk out and, you know, kind of support what the other agents are doing while they have a client in front of them. It was kind of, so my vision was like to be a, a selling owner. That was my vision. That's what I thought it would be. Um, and, and we'd have a person doing the books. Um, we'd have an accountant um, that would, you know, monthly give me my financials. That's kind of how I pictured the whole business, you know, and I would sell high end stuff. Um, you know, we didn't talk about it, but, you know, um, we started charging for airline tickets. So you come in, you'd have to sell a lot of airline tickets if you're making 35 bucks a ticket. Um, but on cruises and tours, you make anywhere from 10 to 17%. Um, most of my clients at the time were pretty high end. We were in the heart of Scottsdale, Arizona. So we had Paradise Valley, Scottsdale. So, um, I thought that would, would be the way to go, you know, and I'd work nine to five and that's how I'd go. Um, that changed quickly. So, <laughs> so speaking of those percentages, as a travel agent, how do you go about pricing your offerings? Okay. Um, well, the way that the travel industry works, how, how they 
how they earn a living is um, if they charge for the fee, like for airline tickets, again, anywhere from 35 to 100 bucks. But on cruises and tours, we earn from the supplier. So we don't price it. Okay. There's no pricing on our part. Um, so like, let's say for example, um, we'll keep it kind of, we'll keep it kind of simple. Say for example, you go on a seven day cruise, it's $2,000 per person. There you go. It's 4,000 bucks. Um, you know, if you're only making 10%, you're going to make $400 off that. Now there's residual things that you're also selling, um, that you're going to make a percentage of, you know, travel insurance, you make a percentage off of, um, but we don't, we don't set any of those prices. Okay. Um, nor are we, you know, we can get into this too, if you want, but uh, you know, back when there was a lot of agencies, they thought the way to, the way to get business was to rebate some of that commission. So, um, you know, in, in my industry, I think that's devaluing what you do. Um, so it's, it's kind of, um, I look at that. I don't, I, We've never done it, don't believe in it, and don't want clients that expect it. Where's the biggest spread to make money as a travel agent? What piece of the equation is most profitable? Well, probably what's most profitable is um, what's most profitable is a lot of people specialize in certain areas. Uh, we have one advisor that specializes in Italy, and she has all of her own contacts. Um, all over Italy, whether it's a villa, whether it's ground transportation. So she can, you know, I, I shouldn't digress. So she can mark that up. Okay. So if she's doing all that herself and she can mark up that package, that's probably the most profitable. Okay. Um, you don't find too many people that specialize in that. Um, but that's probably the most profitable because she can mark it up as, as far as high as she wants. Um, but typically, from a day-to-day -day basis, it's probably cruises, and right now it's river cruises. Um, and based on your revenue, this is very important, based on your revenue, and we'll get into this with my business model, um, that determines our commission. So if we sell half a million dollars with a particular cruise line, okay, um, they might give us 15% instead of 10 or 12. But if we take it up to 750,000 in a year, the following year, they might jump it up to 17%. So that's, that's how we, that's how we earn a living set, you know, which, which kind of moves into how, what, what my business does now and how we've kind of changed. But, you know, there's been a lot of changes in our industry, you know, even after the airlines quit commission, but. Jumping back kind of to the start after you took over, what were the most major obstacles you faced right off the bat and how did you end up overcoming them? Well, the, the probably the, the biggest obstacle, um, which, it, which was as a business owner is, you know, is, is the whole hours for dollars, you know, trading hours for dollars. So the more I was in, the more I was in the office, the more I was selling, the more that, I, I could make. Um, and so my biggest obstacle was figuring out how to get other people to sell. Um, so I wouldn't have to be, be there a lot. Um, there's always going to be obstacles in any business, especially in an ever changing industry and technology. Um, but my biggest goal was to, to find a way to work. I know it's cliche, but to, you know, work smarter, not harder, you know, and, or work smarter, not longer. Cause you know, I had a young family and 
Um, I want, I wanted to earn a living off other people working in my office with also providing them a living, you know? So, um, that was always a tough conundrum in any business, you know? How did you accomplish that? Well, it was how I accomplished it was we had another huge downturn. And I don't know if you want to get into this, but that was 99. And then, uh, you know, then in 2001 came 9-11, which was a crushed our industry. Um, so things weren't already, we were struggling enough in my job and things weren't already hard enough. Um, and so 35% of the agencies that still existed after the commission cuts closed. Um Fortunately, the, you know, the first 15 years in the business, um, I was very active. Uh, I, I would highly recommend this to, to, to business owners, but I was very active in the industry. Um, I wasn't a big person about, oh, they're my competition. Um, they're more like my associates, and I always believe there's plenty of business to go around. So I was very active in the industry. You know, I was on boards and you know, things like that in social organizations too. And so when 9-11 came and agencies had to close, I had four years still left on my lease. Okay. Um, there was other owners who I was familiar with. They said, you know, I got to close. I can't, I can't stay open. Um, we had nothing but employees. So after six months after nine 11, so actually it was actually on my birthday, March 29th of 2022. Um, I had to fire everybody, but one person in my office, they were all sitting there for six months and they weren't producing anything. They weren't, you know, I was paying them all a salary. I wasn't making any money. I let them all go, um, and it was just, I'm in a 2,000-square-foot office. It's me and one other lady, and she was a part-time agent didn't even want to be an agent. She left the office crying. <laughs> so it was, it was very pivotal, and, and I, I wasn't quite sure how I was going to make that transition, um, but I thought when she left, uh, you know, we, we spoke later, and I said, well, you can assist me, and I'll still sell. That's what I'm good at. Um, and, you know, we'll figure something out. Well, what had happened, these agencies that closed, they were calling me because they were like, what are you going to do, Robbie? And I'm go, I, I'm still not totally sure, um, but I do have 2,000 square feet and several offices. Why don't you move in with me, um, share my rent, and I'll take a small portion of your commission. We'll use my license, which is, which is my number. So the commission comes to me and I pay you. The lady that stayed, I taught her how to do our back office. Um, so I was all things <laughs> at that time, taught her how to do our back office. These people moved in, they helped cover the rent for the next four years. We filled the office with agents. Now they're independent contractors. Um, as this was happening, I was realizing this is, this is how we need to move forward. So we had the office filled. Um, again, I, I was trying to keep up with technology. Um, and we had the office filled. I'm making a small percentage. I'm like, maybe I need a few more and make a small percentage off more of them. Um, and as that was happening, um, agents were still calling me, asking me what I was going to do, asking for advice. Um, and so I basically showed them a way to join travel destinations as an independent contractor. And I would do everything that they were never good at anyway. <laughs> no offense if I have any that are listening, um, but they got into business to sell travel. Um, and now this is all they have to do. And we would provide an opportunity for them just to sell and we would do everything else. So that's your transformation of going from travel agent to host agency. Right, right. So we're now what's called a host agency. Let's break that down for us. Break down what a host agency is. Well, a host agency, 
Um, what it is, is we provide the, the infrastructure for any travel agent to run, run their business. Um, what we do as of like today, right now, is if we have, if there's, there's agencies that are still doing everything the old way, they actually do have a little office and it might be in a, you know, it might be in a shopping plaza and there people are walking in and they have clients. They haven't really got a hold of marketing, but they have this huge list of clients. They're not sure what to do with, but they've been barely making it. Um, and they come to me and they say, how, how can you help me? I don't want, I don't want to, um, you know, I don't want to own this, this build, this business, this location anymore. I don't want to be at this location. I still want to help my clients. You know, I have a book of clients. What, what can I do? Well, what we do is, is, um, we make an agreement with them and there is no capital involved in what I do. None. Okay. And we pay them a percentage off everything that's their client. Um, so for example, I had an owner that wanted to retire. Um, she had two agents, um, and she wanted to retire. So the agreement we came to with her was anything her agent sold, she made a percentage of them. Her agents got a percentage and I got a percentage. So my agreement with them, with the owner was they would get a percentage for a certain number of years. I'd move their, their agents under my company. Okay. Um, and they would continue to sell. Um, the agents get set up with, you know, all their software, everything they need on their computer. I do, I do that. I help them get, do that. Um, and then they start selling. Um, what they find out is because of the number of advisors we have and because of the company that we are, where they were making 12, 13% commission, we might be making 16, 17% commission. So they're actually making more when I take my cut, the agents themselves, than before. And win win. Yeah, it's a win win. And the interesting, and a lot of times it happens with agencies. Or it happens with a singular agent who's out there trying to struggle away on their own. They've always wanted to sell travel. Um, they like to travel, you know, um, and they are just struggling away at all the minimum percentages. Um, when if they go under a host agency, um, then they get they get a higher commission rate. Um, I really like to. I, again, I don't like to focus on the money. I know that's extremely important. Um, but what else they get is they get a ton of support you know, and they get support from me and my assistant, who was the one that left the office crying, um, who does, you know, and we've, she's been a travel agent. I've been a travel agent. So the support they get is from someone who's been in the industry a long time. What's your approach to managing such a large group of independent contractors? Well, a lot of the, a lot of these advisors, uh, I don't want to, a lot of these advisors are very well seasoned. So, the biggest support they need is number one, just to get started. You know, they want this to get started is the biggest support. Um, so there's not, it, it, my, my job is almost responding to emails all day long and, and then also be available, available to them 24 seven. And it's really, it, it's actually not a lot. I mean, for me personally, I would rather deal with them and their, um, their quick problems or issues than take a client from start to finish you know, which is what I used to do to earn a living and start their trip. And then the trip, you know, the, the process is over when they come home. You know, the agents are great at that. I'm not. <laughs> now I'm, I'm good at taking care of advisors problems. And um, because of our, um, I don't know, we, ha we have been successful and the relationships I've built in the industry help those agents help them. They help the agents dramatically. I mean, when they need something, if I need to kind of 
I don't want to say pull a string or ask for a favor, but I have the contacts in the industry where I can do that. Um, and as a host agency, there's other eight companies that do what we do. And they, they want to make everybody a travel agent. They, you know, they send you an email and say, Andrew, be your own travel agent. We're going to give you back all your commission. You'll make millions um, in years. You'll, and just you'll make millions years. in years. Right. That's, that's not the people we want. We want seasoned agents um, that want to earn a living from selling travel. You know? so, um, and uh, the other thing I might point out is a lot of these agents who have their own company, they really they want advice and they want a person to call. Um, but they don't, they don't want travel destinations to be overbearing. They want to be their own company and that's what an independent contractor is. So the other benefit is, you know, I don't have a lot of demands on them. You know, I don't have a lot of demands on them to, to do what they do because they've been doing it so long. They know what they're doing. How do you go about finding travel agents that have experience to come and join your host agency because i'm sure there are lots of people out there who are inexperienced and that's not necessarily what you're looking for right right well we've been, we've been fortunate because we've been around so long um and i have um and it's it's mostly word of mouth my other agents um especially um the ones that have been in the industry arrival they're still very active in the industry um that they they have other advisors call me if they're looking for a new home and and the other advisors it, it, you know it's a 10 minute conversation and they decide whether they want to join the family or not we've we've kind of ch we've changed our name as travel destinations but it's travel destinations and it's family of agencies is what we call ourselves now and so um it's it's very it's mostly word of mouth um andrew i i don't i don't go in you know in publications or anything um the other thing that I'm very fortunate is I, I told you I had a close relationship with suppliers. Um, well, a lot of my local reps um, refer me to their advisors. So if they're helping an advisor and they're looking, they know they're looking for a home, they have they haven't called me. So um, I don't know. I kind of I kind of believe it's like it's been what thirty some years, and you know, don't burn any bridges. You know, because <laughs> um, highly relational business customer facing and behind the scenes as well. It is. It's, ex it's extremely relational. And um, because now in the, in the internet ages and the ages where you try to get people on the phone um, and you can't do it, if you're able to pick up the phone and call a human um, or an executive in a big company and just, it's helpful, you know, you try not to take advantage of those things, but um, I'm just a firm believer in you need to have a good relationship. You really do with everybody in your industry, you know, even, even your competitors. You know, I think it's, that's what built our business. Our built, our business is based on what people would consider were my competitors in the past, you know? And I believe even today, the ones that are still doing this and they're my competitors, if they need assistance from me, I am, I'm giving it to them, you know? In the travel industry, because it's so heavily relational, customer facing and behind the scenes, what are the two or three most fundamental items to get right to be effective and grow your business? Well, one of the things is I, to, to agents is not to sell your professionalism short, okay? Um, there, because like I said at the beginning, there is so many clients that need you um, to cut your throat is um, kind of 
kind of downplaying what you do. Okay. So, you know, you know, we have clients all the time uh, and again, and again, they want a good value, but um, immediately you kind of got, you really need to be discerning on the clients that you take. So I guess that would be advice, you know, be discerning because there's enough out there where you don't, you don't have to cut your throat to get a client. You know, when you, when you have someone that calls you and says, you know, well, you know, I, I, I was going to Jamaica and I could do the exact same thing. And they told me they would, you know, give me $300 off my vacation, you know, and don't, don't do that. So don't sell yourself short because you're helping them from start to finish. Um, and that would be, you know, one thing I would definitely, definitely do. And then there's something else I would tell people is, um, you're not the internet. Okay. And if, and if, if clients are, they're do it yourselfers and that's great if they are, you know, let them do it themselves. They don't need a travel agent. Um, but stick to what you're good at, focus on what you're good at. Um, if, if you're selling, if there's 10 river cruises out there, but you're knowledgeable in five, sell those five, you know, sell those five. Um, that's, that's how you want to grow your business. Cause you're focusing on things that you're not familiar with. Um, you're not giving them very good service. Um, you know, and that we, we as a, we as a, um, agency, we belong to an organization. It's, it's a consortium and they have specific suppliers. So the agents that have, that have me to go to bat form. And we also have a bigger organization. It happens to be called signature travel network that go to bat for us. Um, and there's very strict requirements for an agency to be involved in that. So, um, my kind of my, my other advice to people, and if they're just getting in the industry, not to try to wing it on your own. There's no reason you need to surround yourself with people that are going to help you, people that are going to be for you. You know what I mean? Um, so that would probably be, be discerning. Don't sell yourself short and surround yourself with people that are for you. And that's probably, I mean, that's probably the same in a lot of industries, you know? So, um, I never really thought of it like that, but it is, you know. Somebody looking to start a host agency, how would you approach that? If you have no experience as a travel agent, where do you start? I think most most people that would start a host agency, um, yeah, it would be really, really difficult. Most of, most of the people that want to start a host agency have probably already been in the industry um, and, you know, kind of, um, I don't know what the, the word would necessarily be, but move from a, move from an employee based, you know, over to, to, to a host. So, so the agencies that are, you know, that maybe have a staff of people, which they can't afford to pay unless they're selling would, would offer them a percentage of their sales and then try to, try to grow that way. I would not even know how to begin just to be honest with you, um, how you would start one, um, if you knew nothing um, about the industry or um, you hadn't been in there in the past, um, I don't know. I, re I really don't because I, there's, there's, there's means and there's ways that um, people can get trained. Um, but you're back to, you know, you're back to doing everything online. You'd have to have a whole staff of people um, or belong to a larger organization. So to start a host agency per se, I would think you would have to already have been in the travel industry. Um, you would have to, you know, know it and then want to bring people on and, and train them 
and then pay them commission after you do. For that, that would be a way. I mean, that would be a way. You're an agent and you're like, man, I need to, I need to duplicate myself. You bring people on, but you have to spend the time training them, which is, which is tough because it is a complicated industry. How long would you recommend somebody be a travel agent before transitioning to starting their own host agency? Oh man. I mean, definitely a couple of years. You'd want to do it. You know, you want to do it a couple of years and you, you obviously you'd want to find a mentor or you would want to be, you know, you would want to be working in an agency where there was a host. Now the host agencies, um, that are like, you know, similar to ours, you know, we're a hundred, you know, we have a little over a hundred advisors. Okay. Um, but which is, I call ourselves a boutique host, but there's companies out there, um, that are, um, there's a company like called travel planners and what they do, um, they're a host agency. Um, and they want to bring like, they would, like I said earlier, they would say, Andrew, you want to be a travel agent? We're going to give you everything and we're going to train you to do that. And then you can sell travel. Okay. Um, I know there's there and they would bring anybody on whether they had clients or not. Whether they had any book of clients or anyone they're selling to, they would bring anybody on, okay? And how they do it is they charge them a fee for all the services that they give them, which we haven't even really talked about. They would say, you're going to pay me, you're going to join my host agency, and you're going to pay me you know, $700 a year, okay? Um, and I'm going to give you all these tools to train you, okay? And then you're going to book your own travel, you're going to get your commission back, and when you sell travel, you'll make commission. That's your, that's your, how your host agencies normally work. Okay. Um, as, as my company, we don't do that. We don't charge an upfront annual fee. Cause if I think about it, you know, do the math. If I had a thousand agents that are paying me $700 a year, they don't have to do, they don't have to sell anything. I'm, that's how I'm earning my living. Again, we're back to, I think that depletes the professionalism of, uh, our industry. Um, people that are, you know, and so you, that's that's how most agencies work. That's how most host agencies work. They call themselves host. I never liked calling myself a host, but that that kind of that is what I am. So I use the word boutique host because we have people that already know the industry and they need a they need a source to book their trips through. Is it possible to raise a family, grow a family as a full time travel agent? Well, yeah, absolutely. I think um, you know. I don't know if you're looking at numbers and how these relate. I guess it depends on where you live. Um, but we have a number of agents that, you know, that make six figures, you know, and it's all a matter of what, what you, what you sell. Um, you know, obviously the higher end stuff you're selling, um, the more, more you're going to make. Um, if you're just selling airline tickets, I doubt it. I doubt it. Somebody looking to hit that six figure number, what should they be selling? Should they be selling entire experiences? Should they be selling cruises? Well, the sweet spot today is selling is specializing in river cruises or deluxe cruises. You know, not your Carnival, Princess, um, even Holland. You're looking at, um, you know, if you if people know these cruise lines, there's Silver Seas, Regent Seven Seas. These are all suites. Um, a lot of these cruise, a lot of these cruises, you know, kind of hard to believe, but you know, 750 per day per person to travel on one of these cruises. That includes their shore excursions. It includes, um, you know, obviously includes all their meals, all their entertainment, includes everything from start to finish. Um, and the successful advisors help them from start to finish from the time they leave home to the time they get back. 
you know, I said, I'm talking about cruises and tours um, and air, but there's a lot of stuff in between. You know, you know, you have clients that want to make sure they get from their house to the airport. You take care of that too. Once they get on the plane, when they get off, they want to be met when they get off the, you know, when they get off the plane, you'd be surprised. They don't want to have to go look for a cab. They don't want to have to call an Uber. So these people that are going on these, you know, $700 per day per person, um, they want to be handheld all the way through. They don't want anything left to chance. And that's where you're going to make clearly the most, the most money. And the, and the thing is, is they're out there, you know, and the ones that are out there and they're calling the cruise lines themselves and, and booking it themselves. Um, I think those individuals that are booking those kind of trips, um, that it's a mistake. They're missing out on a lot of not only benefits, but a perk of somebody helping them from start to finish. To reach that high-end clientele, what's the best place to market yourself and your offerings? Uh, well, the best place to market yourself is 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 like in your in communities that that are those pe- where those people live is a huge place. A lot of people do a lot of events at country clubs. A lot of people do a lot of events. Uh, it's it's kind of interesting. The agents that make that kind of money, those are kind of their circles. You know, so whether it's in a country club or whether it's at a dinner party. Um, and the thing is, is these cruise lines and tour operators, they help you with that. So say I have an advisor that wants to do an event and I, and I haven't, I do have an agency of advisors that are up in Carefree. They do events at Desert Mountain Country Club. Okay. So um, they're inviting their clients there and they're selling high end cruises. It's, it's, it's crazy. And they do it right there. And the cruise line pays for half the event. Um, so that's how you, that's what you do. You market to those, those type of people. Your clients aren't, um, you know, uh, going to Las Vegas for three nights and there's agents that do that, but that's not where the, that's not where the money is. As you scaled travel destinations into a host agency and continue to grow the amount of travel agents you had in your agency, what were the biggest obstacles you faced along the way? And how did you overcome those? The big the biggest obstacles and we're continuing to overcome them are the things that you know you you know kind of that you have no control over. Um uh we, you know, because of the amount of revenue we had you know generate to airlines, cruise lines, to operators, um they're ever, they're change, they're always changing their goals, you know. Um, and my personal income is based on um, residual revenue that I get from those tour operators and cruise lines. Um, and when they change their goals, it means I've got to add more agents to continue to make those make those goals. Um, so, kind of for me, the obstacles are finding good quality agents or higher end agents, you know, um, that's kind of the biggest obstacle for me and, and being able to convince them, um, you know, I think every travel agent needs travel destinations, but they don't all believe that, (laughs) you know? Um, so that's the, that's kind of the thing is, um, why, why they need us. People sometimes, especially seasoned advisors, um, they've been doing the same thing the same way for so long that it's hard to change. What's the tipping point to convince them to change? (laughs) The tipping point is really is to let them know 
that I'm going to, that I'm going to be with them through the whole process, that the owner of the agency is going to be with them through the whole process. Um, and, and, and I'm available. So that's kind of the tipping point. Cause, um, uh, and I, and I also, um, I encourage them to call some of our other advisors and say, you know, did Robbie help you with this? What did he do? You know, how did you make the transition? Um, we just, again, you know, we just had, there was an agency, you know, in a, in a, in a neighboring town and they had been 40 years, you know, doing things the same way and convincing them, Hey, it's going to be a hard process when you start, but once we're through the process, um, you're going to be glad, you know? Um, so the tipping point is, is convincing them is me building the relationship to know that I'm going to be with them the whole time. That's probably the tipping point. I know that seems kind of cliche, but it is, it's a fact. It is. In scaling your business again, is there anything you would do differently? Early on, you know, when I, you know how I was talking about devaluing, you know, an agent not devaluating themselves. See, I probably would, I made a lot of agreements uh, with agencies and agents, um, which didn't value what I did, you know? So that what I would probably do differently uh, again, and I, and I don't want to be greedy because I want the advisors to earn a good living. Um, but what I would probably do differently is change some of my agreements. I mean, early on, I made agreements where owners, as long as their clients were booking through travel destinations, um, they got a certain percentage. And, I, and, I, and again, people that are listening probably think, this guy's crazy. I didn't put any timeline on it. I guess at the time, I didn't have confidence that it was going to last that long. And I've got agents that started on with us in 2022 and the owner's never done anything in the industry and they're still getting residual income. And that was the agreement I made. So I stuck to it. Um, fortunately, at one point in time, um, I had a lady that uh, she drew up the whole agreement. I said, you drop the agreement, I'll look at it. And she drew up the agreement and limited the number of years that she wanted income. And, and I thought, I should have been doing this all along, you know, um, so that's probably the biggest change I would have made is making sure I didn't devalue what I did, you know, um, and, and what I had to offer, offer people. Um, I kind of think in this day and age, it's kind of hard, um, for people to, um, to trust anybody, you know what I mean? So, um, I always, I'm always making it in their favor. The fact that you can support a family as a travel agent. Now, running a host agency, let's talk numbers. What can somebody expect to make ballpark uh, once they have an established host agency that's performing relatively well? I mean, you can. <laughs> I mean, if we're talking dollars, I mean, there's there's no reason why you can't be making you know a couple hundred to two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. Um, if you own a host agency, there's, I mean, that I would say, I can't imagine what the bigger ones make. Um, but again, it's, it's based on what you sell, you know, it's based on what you sell. Um, if you figure we do, um, our, our revenue, um, which is gross. Okay. Um, our gross revenue will be in upwards about $22 million this year. I, I'm going to try to give you some percentage. So, so, I mean, so somebody that knows, you know, math, they can figure it out. If your average percentage, if I'm making 80% um, off all the agents, so they're making 20 and I'm making 80 off the commission. So on every $100 sale, I'm making 20 bucks. Okay. Um, 
that's that's probably the average. Some people make 85, some people make 70, um, some of the agents. Um, but if you take an average, you know, it's probably an 80-20 split. Okay, so that's kind of the percentages. So you could easily do the numbers based on um, what everyone, you know, what everyone's making. You know, if I have if I have agents that are making, you know, a hundred thousand, um, it's not quite this, but so I'm making twenty thousand dollars off of them, you know, um, that year. So if I have six of those, you know, just off those, I'm making one hundred twenty thousand. And that doesn't, and that doesn't count for if I sell so much with the cruise line. So I, then they give me a back end. We even got into that. They give me a back end commission at the end of the year, and that's not split with the advisors. So as an owner, if you can sell the right things and you can get the right agents, it can be very, um, it could be lucrative. Um, and it all, you know, and also you have overhead. Now a lot of these, a lot of these host agencies, they're total virtual, which. I'm not there yet. I don't believe that. We have corporate offices in Scottsdale where we do training. Some of our agents rent space, so they have an office. Um, but you got to just think about it that way. If you're talking an 80-20 split and your average sale, you know, your average sale, you probably make 500 bucks, I'd say, off a cruise or a tour, you know. Um, so it could be very, you can make some decent money. Um, but again, if, if, if you're taking, but if you, again, if you take, it's not totally fair to say 22 million. Um, because if you're doing 8 million of that in there and you're not making anything off of it, you know, so it's hard to take the percentage off that, but is that making a little bit of sense? Um, but if you're selling the right things, you know, and then off your service fees, you know, other than what your, your expenses off that, you know, your credit card expense, you're making a hundred percent on that. So if you're, you know, if you're doing, you know, a hundred thousand in service fees, you know, you take 3% off that because of credit card fees, that's straight profit. So you love travel, start life as a travel agent and aim to become an owner of a host agency. <laughs> That's, I would, unless you just want to sell travel. See, the funny thing is, and I know we're, we're getting busy here, but the agents that came on at the beginning of, uh, of when we changed, like, you know, 2000 in, um, 2002, 2003, these were all people, one of the agents we have, and, and I love him to death, he owned probably the largest agency in the Valley. They had 13 offices. Okay. And when all the commission cuts were done and then nine 11 were done, he was like, I just want to sell to a certain number of people and I need you, Robbie. So he works from home and he has a, some clients that he sells to. Um, but all these people where I was kind of getting at is all these people that own their agency, they could have done exactly what I did, but they didn't want the headache of dealing with hundreds of travel agents. They all got into business to sell travel and that's what they like to do. So, um, what I do, um, really anybody that had owned an agency could actually do it if they wanted to deal with all these travel agents in the business aspect of it. I, I love, I love that part, you know, it's picking which side of it you're on. It's still involved with travel, but are you, are you helping the travel agents or are you helping the travelers, which actually they're one and the same. Right, right. If I'm helping the travel agents, they're helping their travelers. You know what I mean? And I, and I really do, um, like helping, you know, the travel agents I have for me personally, I have about five clients. I, I, I kind of joke that still want me to book their trips cause they still think I know what I'm doing, but most of all my other, all my other clients I've been able to give to, um, you know, other, other agents, I've been able to give it to them. And, and granted, you know, some people would look at that and go, yeah, but Robbie, you'd make a hundred percent commission if you did it yourself. 
but that's that's not the point you know from the business aspect it may, it's so much more beneficial for me to hand them off to somebody and make a smaller portion you know than it is so um yeah i like what i do i really do i like i like dealing with the agents um i i did just get off the phone with a with a client who wanted me to book their air and it was like it was draining. I was, it was draining. It really was. It was draining. I don't know why anyone would want to do this for themselves when they can hire somebody and pay them 50 bucks to do it. I really don't. How have you grown personally since you bought out Travel Destinations, Inc.? Well, I think the main way, the way I've grown is um, to realize, you know, as, as we, as I keep, I think I keep saying this, but that I can't be all things to all people, that I have to let people um, that, are qualified in, in certain aspects, um, whether it's, um, again, whether it's accounting, whether it's marketing, whether it's training, I have to let those people do that. And what I can do well, I should keep doing. Um, so it's kind of been an ego check where I can't do everything and it's, it's not beneficial to do everything. Um, the other, the other kind of way I've grown is I've been able to kind of discern, you know, what people need and the personalities within our family of agents um, that would best suit them. You know, I don't get it right all the time, but because I was an agent for so long, a lot of people still call me and I refer them um, to advisors, um, which is a little, we haven't really talked much about that, but which is a little different than most host agencies, um, you know, because their owners weren't necessarily agents maybe. Um, so I've kind of grown in the fact that I've been able to see what people need and what personality best fits fits them. Um, but personally, I think it's kind of got my ego in check. You know, it's like, Robbie, this isn't what you're good at. You need to, you know, open up your wallet and pay somebody that is, whether it's a bookkeeper, whether it's an accountant, um, whether it's the people that um, do our marketing, whether it's the people that do, you know, the design for marketing materials, um, those kind of things. I need to let them do it and I've got to pay for it. I should do that, you know? And I think, I think that's the, biggest problem with small businesses they think they're saving money by doing it themselves you know i think that's just a huge mistake yeah trading time for money yeah it's crazy it's absolutely crazy stick to what you know you're good at and pay other people to do what they're good at you know and don't and don't begrudge them of that because um it's it's more beneficial to you you know if you could go back in time would you do this all again <laughs> Yeah, I probably would, um, you know, only because, um, you know, we didn't talk much about it. But um, when I got out of the Air Force, I had no idea what I wanted to do. You know, I was 22 years old. Um, when I, and what I found out in the four years I was in the service that um, I was a people person, you know, and so any and that's what I've been doing, whether I've been helping clients or whether I've been helping travel agents. Um, I'm always active with, with people. And I, and I love that, you know, um, I don't think I don't regret, I really don't regret any of it. I don't know anything else I'd rather, rather be doing, you know? Um, but you know, I, I don't know. I might be a unique personality. My oldest son said, you, you would love whatever you're doing. <laughs> so, That's a good problem to have, right? It's a good problem to have. It's a good problem to have. So, um, but I really do. I, I, I like what I do. I like the the people I deal with and uh, even the client I helped today, I got a big kick out of them. So it was, it was a lot of fun. Well, awesome. Robbie, thank you so much for all the insight you've shared and for joining oh, for today's welcome. episode.
I, ho- I hope it was worthwhile. It was fun for me. <laughs> it definitely was. Definitely was. Yeah. <laughs> Take care. All right. Thanks, Andrew. If this podcast provided value to you, it would mean a lot if you would subscribe wherever you're listening to it and share this with other people who would find it valuable. You can find us on Instagram at Founder Focus, and you can also find short clips from today's episode on YouTube at Founder Focus Podcast. I hope you enjoyed, and I'll see you next time.